typically in the space of corporate. People are having conversations with each other. They are on camera just to kind of show their emotions, these types of things. You always want to keep that smile on. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Rose, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Good. How about you? How's your week so far? Woo! It's been a busy, busy one. We got some snow here in Jackson Hole, and then we had some sunny days. So I biked and skied in one week. <laughs> oh, nice. Getting that exercise, right? Yes, exactly. It's important because when we're sitting here doing this, it's important to go outside and do something else. Yeah, and that's a good segue to our main discussion, right? It's just like sitting here and doing this. Like because of COVID, a lot of people were doing this a lot. And I think there were video interviews before COVID, but then due to COVID, you can't go to the office for interviews. So there was a lot of video interviews going on. One way virtual interaction with your recruiter or soon to be new boss, and then as well as presentations as well. So the reason why I wanted to bring you on is my podcast is about careers and people need to be more confident in video because when it comes to the workplace now, video is heavily involved in your everyday work. Again, I mainly focus on like job search when in regards to helping professionals be more comfortable on video. But as you work at the company that you get the job at, you'll have to do a lot of like video conferencing, because not everybody's going to be in the same office, especially if you're at a bigger company. So the point of our discussion today is how to be more confident in videos to make yourself communicate well, make yourself more confident and showcase your best self in the work environment. So before we continue, Rose, why don't you tell my listeners more about what you do and your expertise in video? Sure. Yes. Well, my name is Rose Cayazzo. It's a little bit difficult to pronounce. If we were in Italy, we'd say Cayazzo with the hand, but in the Americas, we say Cayazzo. I'm also known as Jackson Hole Rose. I have been on radio for a long time. I recently had a syndicated radio show. It was called Yellowstone Country with Jackson Hole Rose. Hence, that is where my stage name, Jackson Hole Rose, came from. That is trademarked. With regards to video, there's a lot of things that things have morphed and changed over the years for people to experience video and also to be a part of video, right? So video, you could think of video as watching television, right? So back in the day, we sat in front of the tube and we just watched video. We watched the television, right? Now we might look at our phones and we might look at the videos on the phone. Now with social media, videos can be two-way, right? Like with regards to other ways to either write in like Twitch or these other platforms that are live where people can type in questions or you can add another host. So there's all different types of video. One of the types of video that I really like to specialize in with my clients is live video, which makes a lot of people nervous. And in the business world, you're doing a lot of live video, really. You know, you're not pre-recording something to send it along and make it absolutely perfect. So 
there's lots of ways to approach video in addition to the apps that go with it if you do want to you know, completely perfect what you're putting out there. But really what I find is that the world is looking for you and they're looking for you to be you. And that is why video has been used a lot since COVID by recruiters, by the managerial staff, by all the people in the company, because there's so much more that you can glean from someone speaking to you, right? Than just writing something real good or sending a real nice picture. How many times have you seen a photograph of someone? You're like, wow, that's a great picture. And then you see them in person and you're like, is that the same person? (laughs) We sure if that's the same person, right? Because photography is magic. And video can be too, but with the rise of AI, right, with automated, all that stuff, intelligence, we're going to be seeing things that are really going to start blowing our minds. And one of the things that I truly believe in with my clients that I work with on video and making sure that they are having this presence that really commands and allows them to have their message come out as opposed to just making a statement and then, you know, sulking away, right? So my experience with video is a lot with live video because I do believe that live video is the future. Speaking of AI, right? One of the tools I've, I don't know if you've seen this tool, is it gives you automatic eye contact. So you could be reading something off and it would show that you were looking at the camera. Have you heard about this or seen this? I have heard about it. I have not seen it yet, and I will not believe it until I see it. (laughs) But it is amazing, right? I mean, have you heard of the Zooms where there's going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, basically like webcast of a person's whole figure on a wall talking to you? No, I haven't heard about that, no. Oh, yeah, that one's there too. (laughs) So there's a lot of really intricate exciting things on its way. And people are really just trying to focus on, gosh, I think I need to learn how to be on video better because a lot of people shy away from it. You know, they say, oh, well, let's take a video. No, no. You know, even some business owners or people, you know, oh, I have to take a picture of myself. Why? I want to take a picture of myself. Just a lot of people prefer not to have pictures of themselves and they prefer not to take videos of themselves in it. And the reason why is because we are very self-critical creatures. (laughs) So, you know, with our discussion today, hopefully I can help some people get past some of these critical features that they believe they have in themselves to really just push forward. And like I said, command the room. And command the room, meaning on video. When you speak, people listen. Go back to what you said about like people find live video the hardest. I actually find live video easier. I find recording harder because you're trying to perfect it, right? So you have that red <laughs> recording dot staring you in the face. So you want to make sure that what you're saying is correct. Because I do YouTube videos. I do like my own solo videos, right? So I have my yeah. interview portion, which you're on right now. And then I do a solo one. And then like, I want to make every word clear. And then all the silence, dead space. So I'm trying to make it perfect, right? So I find it more difficult to record myself 
compared to doing like a live webinar or a live conversation because I feel like people aren't going to be as critical of you when you're live compared to when you're being recorded. Do you see it with your clients there the other way around where they find it easier to do live compared to recording? Or do you generally see from your experience that live is more difficult for them? I think live is difficult also for large clients. So big corporations. And I say that because they are less willing to sign contracts with people that are doing live video. Why is that? Because anything can happen and they don't like that. Right. So considering, you know, the, the Super Bowl, whoops, you know, that little incident and all the other little things that go on out there that were like, whoopsie, we shouldn't have done that. Right. That were unplanned because they just happened. Things like that can happen on live video. You know, I, I do a lot of live video on my Facebook page, which is just Jackson Hole Rose. And if you go there, because I live in such a very unique, mountainous, Wyoming, different, wild, animal community, that I was doing this live video and I'm holding the camera and I'm talking about how I'm stuck at this this you know, this place where the police are saying you can't pass here because there's a huge accident and I can't get over to Idaho Falls because I had an appointment and I'm talking on the phone and cha-cha-cha-cha-cha and here I am. And then all of a sudden, where does the phone go? It drops out of my hand and goes under my seat, right? So you have to know how to play off on these things. That's one of the things is you know, I'm also a great mountain biker, so I have really good reflexes. Like, oh, there's this coming. Oh, okay, shh, 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 right. So I bike, and so I'm constantly like looking ahead and making sure that I got everything under control. But now the phone is underneath my seat, <laughs> and the wind is howling at 35 miles an hour, and I'm talking to everyone, saying, "There's no way I'm opening up that door to let that Wyoming wind in." so I can get my phone easier. I said, you, you guys just have to wait a sec while I fidget around to get the phone. And people loved it. They were just like, oh my gosh, how funny. I do that all the time. But of course, I'm never live or, you know, listening to someone do that. So it becomes like this thing. If you're able to, you know, just come up with, well, hey, you know what? It's live and this is what happens. But with my clients, they don't like, so I typically work with entrepreneurial people that are doing everything themselves, right? And one of the main things about being an entrepreneur is that you need to be on camera so that people know that you're a real person. It builds trust. It builds a lot of different things, but mostly that you're a real person and you're not just swindling them for some money, you know, so that you work with them. In the business world and in corporate, it's used very differently because you're on video and everyone sits in their little place. I'm sure there isn't a little jar of roses nearby, but this is what I do for my branding, right? But, you know, there's lots of things that you can do in corporate video to command that space and really have those discussions. But yes, you no know, live, I think people are more afraid of because they are afraid that they will be judged and laughed at for something happening that was out of their control. So speaking of live video, when you do virtual interviews, whether it's through Zoom or Microsoft Teams, in a way that is a live video. Uh, yes. So what are some exercises that you've walked through with your clients to obviously help remain calm? Because they only have like one shot to say what they want to say because like <laughs> there's, there's no... 
there's no tape back, right? I know for some one-way video interviews where they give you a list of questions and then you record yourself. Sometimes I think they do give you a couple of times to try it, but for live video, you only get like one shot to make a good answer. So what are some like exercises or suggestions in terms of like remaining calm and delivering your spiel effectively? Okay. Well, out of all the things that you said, none of those things matter. You know why? <laughs> Do you want to guess? Can you give me a hint? Like, I'm not sure where. <laughs> because you're focused on, I got to win this job. I have to be calm. I have to do it this way. I need to be this. I need to be this, right? But really what you need is this, a smile. So a smile is so cool because a smile is always awesome to someone, right? Like you smile, you say hello. It's very disarming. So before you start with anything, you start with a smile. And if you're nervous and your teeth are chattering while you're smiling, that's okay. Because you're still smiling. Because calm on camera can look like this. Do I look confident at all? No, it looks like... Uh... Or I could go like this. Because your best friend is that green dot right there. Yeah. So the smile and the green dot are the most important. Then, of course, you need to have your thoughts together as to what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of the things also, I'm a professional voice talent as well. So for people that may not know exactly what that means, that means I sit in a little booth with a microphone and I basically talk to myself. <laughs> And I record tracks for TV and radio and for audiobooks and all these video games, all types of things. And in those types of situations, you want to make sure that your voice is ready to talk for an hour, right? If you're going to be speaking for an hour, how do you prepare your voice to be ready to be speaking for an hour? Do you eat a greasy hamburger before you go in there? Probably not. Why? Because it might be regurgitating and you might be like, you know, like you don't want to be burping during a situation like that. You don't want to, you know, also have this bloated feeling while you're on camera, right? Or just uncomfortable. A lot of times in Zoom, we're sitting. That's another thing. Your diaphragm sits underneath here. And if you're sitting and your diaphragm is closed like this because that's why singers when they sing they stand and they sing because their diaphragm can open so you also have to think about that but in addition you always have water it's okay to take a pause and wet your whistle because that is what helps you continue on to be able to speak well and taking command of your words and also not falling off or having this sound, right, that comes then when when your voice is really tired. Speaking of which, like in terms of like longevity of the voice, like some interviews could go up to an hour. So how do you like maintain your composure? Obviously, you want to stay hydrated. Not too hydrated because you don't want to be going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, true too. Yeah, yeah. Drinking in moderation. Yes. So what are other exercises to help you stay alert for like a long video interview? Right. Well, remember, you're not looking at yourself. Like, because if you're looking at yourself, you might be like, oh my God, my hair's out of play. Like, what did I do here? And then you're fidgeting with yourself and you're, you're trying to look, you're like, 
and you're looking away or you're like, oh my gosh, I'm wearing a really uncomfortable top and you're fidgeting around. So you have to focus on being very still. I know that seems terrible, (laughs) but when they are speaking to you, you're looking straight at the dot. I know you really want to look at them, but you really don't. You look at the dot because the dot on the computer or the phone, depending upon what technology you're using, is the direct contact into me having true eye contact with you. If I look away and I, and you ask me a question and I start, you know, doing this and, and looking up here or I shift over there or, you know, maybe um, you hear me shifting papers and stuff, that's a no-no. So hands in lap. Are, are best. You sit very still and you listen and look at the dot when they're talking. When it's your turn to talk, you're continuously looking at the dot again, but you can use your hands to speak. You can also take a sip of water. You can, you know, obviously when, when in interviews, a lot of times I also used to be, gosh, I've had a lot of lives. <laughs> In another life, I was a public speaking teacher. And there we talked a lot about stories and how stories are important. And stories can also help you be more confident on video because you know your story. Whatever the story is that you need to tell, you don't really need to read a script. You don't need to write it down. You don't need the shifty eyes to look around. You just keep looking at the dot and you tell your story. So a lot of times it's beneficial to stay very still so that the other person knows that you are paying attention. You're staring at them, which AKA means that green dot, it's usually green or blue. And when it's your time to speak, that's when you start to start to be animated and talk and these types of things. But you're definitely not moving around in a, vid- in, in a video that's, you know, an interview. Obviously, we I think we all know that. Like, you're not walking with your phone like, hey, <laughs> right? Yeah, a yeah. common mistake with video is a lot of people look at the monitor, but then you're not looking at the eye contact's different than in person. They supposed yeah. look at the lens, but a common mistake people do is they look at the screen. That's exactly right. And you want to make sure, I mean, it's always nice to have a live something in it. So that's why I use roses. But, you know, if you had like a little plant there or just a background that just doesn't have a lot going on, you know, unless you're a doctor and you need a lot of books in the back of you or there's a bookcase, you know, there's certain things that, you know, if it looks nice and neat, then it's fine to have. But you also want to think about your background and how the other person will be looking at that. How important is having a good background? So there's a couple thoughts on it, right? Is it unprofessional to have your bed in the background? For example? <laughs> yes. Another thing is like, if it's just a blank white wall, is that also bad? Like, do you have at least some things there? And obviously you don't be super distracting either. Because again, you want them to focus on you and not the background. So there is a lot of arguments in terms of like, what makes a good background? What is your take on it? My take on it is your background is basically like how Facebook came out with their banner right? We used to have these profile photos and we were all like, oh, this is great. You know, we have a picture of ourselves. That's good. Then they came out with these banner photos. We were like, what is this? We have to add like a whole nother photo. And they're like, yeah, because it's your story. So I actually relate that to that, right? So my story tells you that 
I am a woman that dresses a certain way and I have my area designed in a certain way to present myself in a certain way. So people that are doing interviews, the people that are interviewing you are definitely looking at that as a creative touch. How how is this person displaying themselves when they're speaking to me? Because you can choose any environment, you can choose any background, you can choose any plant, anything you want, right? So a plain wall, yeah, well, you know, it's not the best, but it's better than that messy room or having papers strewn everywhere or, you know, strange things on the walls. <laughs> you said, so, like, when I made the suggestion about the bed, you said that's a no, right? If I remember. No. Okay, so no. why is that a no? If you are arguing, oh, it's like, I don't think it's a big deal, but like, why do you think oh, it's not a good idea? Well, I think if you are interviewing for a professional position, and if you may be working from home as well, that it's important to show that you have a space that's separate from your bedroom that you're able to work in. It's as simple as that. Okay. <laughs> and you know, it, it's as easy as like you could put up, like my bedroom's right over there. You don't see it, but I do. You know, I'm like looking over there like, yeah, my bedroom's over there. But you know, a curtain or, you know, we can also on Zoom use things like the blurred background where you can't quite see. So it might look like a couch or you throw a, a blanket on it in a certain way. So it looks more couchy or something. There's always ways, I think, to get creative with your space. And I think that's going to be important for the people that are interviewing you because they're they're judging you on everything. <laughs> Not just what you're saying, but what you're saying, of course, is extremely important. How about virtual backgrounds? Like I've had people say that it might be like you're hiding something, right? And sometimes the cutout of yourself isn't that good. So it doesn't look professional as well. Do you tell people to stay away from virtual backgrounds or you say it, it doesn't really matter? What's your thoughts on that one? It depends on how corporate you're going, right? So if you are going very corporate, I'd say no. If you have a fun, creative position, it might show something fun. I think, you know, I did some type of Zoom presentation once and I was like, have you seen these? Well, look at the ones I made. And then I made like fire in the background, you know, and there was another one where there were like angels flying around. People were laughing because, you know, it can be anything you want. So if you're if you're interviewing for a position that is extremely creative, it could be a very good thing. If you're interviewing for a position that's more straightforward and you think maybe, you know, the medical sales division wouldn't really appreciate it, then <laughs> I would go with something more simpler. Let's go back to the interview discussion. So there's obviously one-on-ones and then a panel interview. It's multiple people in a Zoom call, for example. Does your strategy change when it comes to commanding your presence when it comes to like one person or multiple people? Because again, like even if it's, multiple people, it's still you and one laptop. So what is your thoughts on that? So phrase the question again. So what? is there a difference in terms of presenting when you're doing one-on-one -on -one compared okay. to multiple people? Because again, some interview processes is maybe just the hiring manager and yourself, or it could be the hiring manager and the team. And yes, then you have to speak to all of them in a way, even though it's just you and the laptop again. So is there a change in strategy that way? Not typically the green dot or the blue dot stays the same, because if you're looking at it, then you're looking at all of them. 
right? It's the shifty eye thing. If you're if you start to look at each person on the screen, do you see how my eyes are changing? Yeah. Right. If someone starts talking to you and you look at them and there's six of them, let's say there's six. One, two, three, four, five, six. And now I'm looking at the bottom right and they're talking to you and you're looking down like this. It's not professional. You have to stay with the green dot. I know you may want to look at the person because maybe you're a visual person or we're just all kind of drawn to the visual in itself. But the real way to keep that connection with someone is to continue looking at the camera, which is that green dot. So the green dot is your BFF at all times when you're on camera with a one-on-one or six-on-one <laughs> or more. <laughs> Or a webinar where it's like multiple people. Yes, exactly. So in a way, video is a bit easier than in person because in person, like you do have to make eye contact around the room. But in video, it's just you and the laptop as long as you said, focus on the green dot, then it's actually easier in terms of like speaking to a lot of people at the same time. Because we're focused more on our message. What is your message? Right. You're not focused on God, look at my hair. It looks terrible in here. Like, and then you're looking at yourself, you know, and your eyes are going this way and they're looking at you and your eyes moving in a different direction, thinking, well, there she's not paying attention. Right. Or, but no, it's me because I'm, you know, I'm looking at myself and I'm going, oh gosh, like, why didn't I fix that before I, you know, my hair should be like more like this. And I just, you know, obviously you wouldn't be doing that on camera, but it'll start making you feel uncomfortable and then you'll feel nervous to the point where you'll forget what you're saying. So the main thing about looking at the green dot is when you're being asked questions, you can completely focus. You just, you don't even have to look at them. You just looking at the green dot and you're saying what you need to say and you answer it the best that you can. So how about when it comes to presentations? The general thing that people do is they end up just reading what's on the screen, like the PowerPoint. Oh, don't we yes. hate that? <laughs> Why do they do that? <laughs> yeah. So obviously like, there's a balance, right? Like, they don't expect you to memorize your whole presentation, like your whole PowerPoint deck, but there has to be a balance, right? So, and then also if you have a PowerPoint that you're sharing, they're not looking at you anyway at that point. They're focusing so much on the slides. So there's a huge balancing act that you have to manage. So what are your tips and strategies on that situation? First of all, you think they're not looking at you, <laughs> but people are doing all kinds of things on Zooms, right? Some people, they like to look at everybody else while they're looking at the slides. Some people will look at the slides and they won't look at you. You still have to always be on point, right? Now with presentations, it can be a little bit different. You always still want to keep the smile. You want to keep your thoughts together. The green dot helps you do that. If you have to move the slides or you need to look at a button, you know, and just look away for a moment, that's okay. You know, these types of things, you still might need to look away to do something. Or if someone else is in the room with you, right, that you're presenting with, you might say, oh, and what do you think, right? So you look at the camera and say, oh, and then turn to the person and say, What's your feeling on that? And then they would explain and you could look at them the entire time that they're talking and then come back to the camera. So the PowerPoint decks are different because you're still on camera and people are definitely still watching you. 
but it doesn't really change much from that if you have a PowerPoint presentation with you. <laughs> it makes a lot of people more comfortable to have it, right? Because, I mean, you know, people are looking at us right now, just talk on camera, and we're just sitting in our little boxes talking, right? There's nothing exciting going on. If I had a moose peek through the window, then, you know, we'd have something really exciting going on. But I'm on an upper floor, so no moose is going to be poking their nose in here. But you know what I'm saying is typically in the space of corporate, people are having conversations with each other. They are on camera just to kind of show their emotions, these types of things. You always want to keep that smile on. Have you ever heard of that phrase, the resting blank face? Yeah, yeah, I I hear that a lot. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's a real thing. And inside of these rooms, in these Zoom rooms or wherever you are, People will have these resting faces that are really not nice. So when you're not talking and you are listening, you are still smiling and looking at the green dot. (laughs) Yeah, you make a point. If you start focusing on other people and you see that resting face, it might seem like, (laughs) okay, these people are not really into what I'm saying, right? And then it throws you off your game. So it's one of those things like just ignore all the distractions and focus on the green dot because that's your best friend throughout the whole presentation that you're doing. Yes. Now with presentations too, I will note that I know everyone has heard of practice makes perfect. And, you know, these piano players, they play all the time because they can get perfect and basketball players, they practice all the time so they can be perfect. Right. Okay. But when you're doing a presentation, people want to know that you are a real person and that you have feelings and that you're being authentic. You know that word authentic? Yeah. So over-practicing a presentation will make you seem inauthentic. Even though when you're really not trying to do that, you may not even know that you're repelling people away because you over-practice so hard that you seem so rigid, so robotic, so in the zone of I must do it this way and I am going to read the slides like this, right? That they just, they come out of their being because they're so nervous. So the best thing to do is not to over-practice your presentation. Yes, you should practice if you have an important presentation, but not so much to the point where you're not a natural person. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, I've done that before too, where this was way back when a recent grad and I was doing an interview. This was in person, but this is the main point of the story is they asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? And I had this like word for word answer. And the guy called me out, say, did you like prepare this beforehand? Right. So there's a certain point in terms of like knowing your facts and then memorizing a word for word answer. Yes. Like I tell all my clients that you do not want to do it. Like yes, you have your bullet points of what you want to say. It goes back to the storytelling, like know your facts, but don't try to re- remember every single word you're going to say. Cause again, like you, as you said, you actually become less authentic by being overprepared. This is exactly right. And my story goes like this on Valentine's day, I went to a very famous bar here called the silver dollar bar. And they have silver dollars that are actually in the bar. And back in the day, because I live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, the cowboys used to take their knives and try to pick out these silver dollars, right? So it has a lot of famous, you know, just 
the way the bar is very historic and it's a really fun place where people go to dance. They do like two-stepping. So I told a colleague of mine that has a larger audience, I would do a video for him, you know, about being at the wart on Valentine's day and, you know, just kind of do like a two minute video where I was just going to go in, like say hello, like, Oh, isn't this cool? And then have the people dancing. Well, of course, when I started it, the band took a little break and started talking instead of playing. Right. So I had to make up whatever, whatever. And then, but I still, I had my lines, you know, like I I practiced my lines because I wanted to say all these things. And I said all these things and I did them real good. And after everything was done, said and done, you know, Valentine's Day is over, a couple of days passed, my colleague calls me and he says, all right, what do you think? How did you do? I was like, well, I think it went all right. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously it was a little bit longer because the band and this and that. And he said, yeah. He said, but you know what? He's like, if if you had, like, if you talked like that to me, I wouldn't want to hang out with you. And I said, What? What do you mean? I'm like the coolest girl around. What do you mean? He was like, because you weren't yourself. There was something about you learning these lines and you saying them. And even though you were trying so hard to be authentic and moving around and saying all these things, he was like, you weren't you. He's like, I want to hang out with the real you. I want to hang out with the Jackson Hole Rose, you know, the woman that talks like this, you know, that talks like that and goes over here and moves her hands and, you know, isn't afraid to do this and that. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. This is why I cannot be scripted, right? This is why I must be live. But it brings us back to just that thought of that gentleman saying to you, like, huh, did you rehearse that before you came in? And and how did that make you feel, Max? Yeah, like I, I got called out, right? And at that point, I knew the interview was done because nothing else I could say, regardless of what other question he throws at me, is going to salvage that, right? Right. But if you still were authentic and owned it, right? You were like, oh, kind of. No, I think I lied. I think I just said no. Like, that's what I truly feel, right? I think that's what I said. I don't think I admitted that. I didn't admit defeat, so to speak, right? So, uh, okay. but at that point, like, if someone's calling you out like that in the interview, you're pretty much done. So there was nothing else I could really say <laughs> at that point to salvage that interview, unfortunately. Although, you know, in some cases, people are looking for just that authenticity and like, yeah, you know, I'm just a little nervous. I had a feeling you were going to ask me five years and I think, gosh, five years, you know, and then they're like, okay, they're connecting with me. Like they're being honest or being open. This is what they're looking for. So not necessarily could you have lost the job just from him calling you out. You could have reversed it into a funny conversation like, ha ha, yep. Yeah, that's true too. Again, I was inexperienced, what, 22, 23? So uh, lesson learned. (laughs) But going back to what you said about the authentic self, right? There's the video you and then the regular you. It seems like everybody wants to put on this persona on video um, or like in an interview, right? And they're not really being their authentic self. So why is that? Why do they have to have this like different version? They always want to believe that there's this version that they have to portray on video compared to just like being themselves when they're with friends. I think it's because, again, back to that one thing that I mentioned in the beginning is that we are so self-critical of ourselves. Like when I look at myself in a mirror and I talk and I talk, I'm like, oh my gosh, this wrinkle that I have here is terrible. Like, I don't even know how to stop that when I'm talking, you know? So 
we look at certain things about us, right, on camera that we don't like and, and we hone in on it. But that's not really what people are doing. They're really trying to gauge your authenticity and who you are and if you're real. And again, with the rise with AI, it's important as a person that truly exists without AI filters. I don't have any filters on right now. This is me, right? But, you know, we can expect people to maybe use these filters or do these types of things. And the corporate world or anyone interviewing for a position, they're still going to want to know who the real you is. So... I mean, you still have to plan in advance, right? So there were, there's never been a good live if you just turn it on and you, and you don't even know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> so just with an interview or if you want to say something on video, it should be planned. Planned in the sense of in your mind, you know, all right, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to talk about one thing. I'm going to talk about moose, right? Because I know a lot about moose. Hey, did you know moose have this you know, they don't have that reflective retina. So if you're walking around in the dark, you know, and you see a moose and he sees you, you're in big trouble, <laughs> you know? So, and, and you start talking about what these things are. Like, I'm just going to focus on the moose and their eyes, and then I'm going to cut it and then I'm going to call it a day, right? Or you might say, you know what? I'm going to talk about three different things. And these three things, I'm so nervous, I can't remember. I'm going to write on just a regular little post-it, bullet point, moose, deer, elk, right? And then I'm going to put it somewhere where I can see it. I'm like, oh, yeah. And let, before I forget to tell you about the elk, I'm actually standing right here on the elk refuge here in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where all the elk hang out. And let me tell you more about what elk are like. You know, because some people really need just a little bit of something. I mean, you've seen people use cue cards during presentations and that can be okay too. But as we said before, reading off the slides is a no-no. <laughs> yeah, because then you're focusing on the words and not like your presence. Exactly, exactly right. Yes. So, so yeah, dressing well is important too, right? So you wanna make sure that you're dressed well and appropriate for whatever you're speaking. That goes with the background. I think that goes without saying. You know, you don't want to look disheveled or, you know, if you need to wear a tie, your tie is straight and looking good. You need to be looking good. But, you know, again, with the Zoom, if you want to wear PJ pants, then you should. I'm wearing PJ pants right now. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, right? Kevin O'Leary, like, his videos now, like, it's it, it, he does it on purpose. Basically, it's suit jacket, suit, and then it's like boxers and sandals, I think, on the bottom. Yes. It's a running joke now, right? So... <laughs> No one can see from the top down or from, from the bottom, it's right? It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Unless we start doing those Obi-Wan Kenobis, which I'm telling you, they're coming out fast. It's coming quick. <laughs> yeah, the scary thing, going back to what you said about filters, right? I've seen these like filters on TikTok that are like making these people like really attractive and then they turn it off, right? And, it, and it's like, oh, it's a completely different person. <laughs> That's AI for you. <laughs> yeah, and then I just said like deepfake, like celebrity deepfakes, right? And then like taking an artist's voice and making an own song, making a new song. Like that's a lot of scary stuff out there with AI. Yes. Another thing too, I mean, if we're talking about backgrounds or how you're looking, you need to have the right lighting. Now, the right lighting is always natural light, 
that's always the best. But of course, my desk is facing this way, the light's over here, and I have to put a light over here so that it puts more light onto me. If you are in shadow when you are doing an interview or you have closed drapes or, you know, like everything seems closed and dark, people will also make opinions based off of that as well, you know, because it's like, huh, are they like hiding something? Are they like a little on the weird side? Why is their stuff closed? Why is it dark in there? Do they not want me to see their face? You know, their face is all in shadow. I can't really tell what they look like, these types of things. So make sure that you have the good lighting for these, you know, presentations or interviews or videos that you're trying to do for sure. Yeah, a good friend of mine, said that when it comes to the camera, the camera is not as important as the lighting. Like you have like a okay camera, but as long as the light is good, then that's all that matters because like uh, you have a good camera, but the light's not good, then the quality also goes down with it. That's exactly right. And people don't realize that that casts shadows on their face to look ominous. That's what they do in Hollywood. <laughs> so you never want to put yourself in a room that is dark, just that doesn't have the right light for sure. So I'm always interested in learning more about my guests' background and how they got to where they are. For you as someone that helps entrepreneurs be more confident in video, I'm assuming that you haven't been always confident with video. You had to have a starting point somewhere, I'm assuming. So oh, yes. how were you like when you first got into video? What made you decide to get out of your comfort zone to do video? And what's skills and things you've done over the years to get to where you are today when it comes to like having that confidence being on video and then teaching other entrepreneurs to do the same. All right. Well, let's start when I was seven years old, because this is really where it started. So I'm actually from New York and a lot of people cannot place my accent because I trained myself when I was seven years old to drop that accent. So when I was seven, my parents used to take me to Disney World in Florida every year. And I'm the kind of gal that I do something once and I'm one and done. Like I went, I went skydiving. I don't need to do it again. I climbed the Grand Teton. I don't need to do that again. You know, once I do something, I swam with turtles. Yeah, I'm good. I already did that. But my parents, for some reason, always brought me to Orlando to Walt Disney World every year. But here was the thing. In Walt Disney World, I was obsessed with the voices that went with the animatronics or the voices that just existed when you couldn't see somebody. So my mother and I would be on the monorail, right, at Disney World, and you'd hear this voice. And I'll, I'll use my one of my voiceover voices. And you'd hear this woman say, please stand clear of the closing doors. And I'd look at my mom and be like, mom, where's that woman? I need to meet her. <laughs> she was like, what? what? Oh, that, no, that's it's just a recording, honey. You know, and I'm like, hey, but that was a woman. She talked and I want to know who she is. And then my father would take me into the haunted house and you'd hear, make sure you buckle your belt. You know, and I was like, dad, where's that guy? Where is he? <laughs> 
And my dad, of course, being from Brooklyn, and he talked like this all the time, right? So my my mother was from Queens, which, you know, it has a little bit different accent. My father from Brooklyn, like this, he talked like this. He said, hey, yes, sit down and shut up. Buckle your thing. We got to go. You know, I'm like, where's this guy? So I was fascinated with voices. And I was fascinated that the people on television did not have this awful, which I thought was awful, New York accent, you know, as a child. And I would sit and listen in my room for hours to the radio. And I'd listen and listen and listen. And I'm a very audio learner. And I would watch television. I would watch what they were doing. I would watch, watch, watch. But, you know, back in those days, well, should I age myself? But, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then where you could just video yourself. You had to actually get a video camera, right? And those were expensive. So, my video stuff started with, you know, I wanted to go to school for TV and radio and I did, and I was real good at it. But one of those things that happened to me as a, as a kid, as, and I say a kid because I was about 20 years old and I was all about it. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be on radio. I wanted to do it all. I lived in New York. I could do anything I wanted, but a couple of adults told me that if I thought I was going to be on TV or radio, that I was gonna live out of a dumpster if I thought that I could do either of those things. And so being a 20 year old gal in college, going to school for what people thought was ridiculous TV and radio, I changed my major to public relations. And then I went to school for my master's degree in technological systems management. And then I had these weird two disparaging degrees with experience in TV and radio. And then I saw the wave of social media coming. And then I started working with clients and talking to them about being authentic on social media, as opposed to sell, 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 because no one wants to be sold, 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 sold to on social media or anywhere else, right? You remember Crazy Eddie or am I dating myself? No, I, I don't. I don't know Crazy Eddie. Okay. Sorry. you're gonna Google Crazy Eddie after this. Everybody, everybody here is gonna Google Crazy Eddie, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. He was a guy that got on camera, and he's like, "I'm selling this TV, and I've got this TV, and I've got this on sale, and this is all on sale." Like it was, it was all about the sale, you know. And you were just like, "Gosh, Crazy Eddie, like, come on!" He's like, "Our prices are insane," but it was just like. You see Crazy Eddie, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be sold too hard, right? So when I worked with clients and the whole video thing that came back for me was I was so scared of it because I didn't think I was good enough, honestly, because I had been told when I was 20 years old that I would live out of a dumpster if I thought I could be on television. And so after I got the syndicated radio show, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I hid that for a month from everyone I knew because I was afraid to tell anyone that I had actually won the role of a host of a syndicated radio show. Like what? But I did. And I did do it for a couple of years and I moved out of it because have you heard of the term old fat happy cats? <laughs> no, I've, sorry, I haven't heard that either. Radio business. And I am a very unique, creative, wild lady when it comes to being creative and doing things online. And I felt that the best move for me was to move out of radio and into live, into streaming and into video. 
And so what I started doing was I started doing on my own, a live video almost every day. And I've done that for over a year now. So I am extremely comfortable talking to people on camera. I'm extremely comfortable talking to people using my phone. And usually I'll walk around and show them different things like, oh, this mountain over here, you know, this one's called this and, you know, it has a lot of snow. It probably won't melt out until June. And then you can climb up there, you know, and so I'm real comfortable with the workings of the camera because I just needed to do the Nike thing, which is just do it. I think it's the best tagline in the world, right? Just do it. So the best way to get more comfortable on camera is to just keep doing different things every day on camera. And if it's just you taking your phone and recording yourself and being okay with watching yourself on camera, then that's what it will take, right? I happen to put it live on my Facebook page so that people can see me doing certain things in this area and talking to people on camera. But it can be, you know, there's lots of ways to practice, but practice in the sense of feeling comfortable on camera, not practicing as we were discussing earlier and over-practicing and sounding too scripted to where you don't sound like a real person. You, you sound fake, right? And that's what you'll see with creators. And, you know, that's the difference you'll see with creators and I want to say Instagrammers, but you know, the people that are doing all types of, they're taking on certain things like, oh, well, I use these glasses and these glasses are made by this brand. And, you know, they talk about this stuff because people trust them or do they really? As an influencer, they've gotten a bad rap over time, but there still are influencers out there that are very honest, trustworthy people, and they have audiences that follow them. And that is all wrapped up into video and live and interviews and Zoom and all the things. So that's, you know, and it's nothing new to be interviewed, to have a job, right? It's just, it's happening in a technical way now. So how do you present yourself? So there's things that you wouldn't think about. Usually you just walk in, sit down and you talk, right? And you know to look and listen and look at people in the eye. But on on camera, on a Zoom call, on however you're gonna do it, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. You don't have to worry about shadows on your face when you walk into their office because they're looking right at you, right? They can see you. So I think a lot of these things are going to start to intermingle with our everyday life. And they have already since COVID and video has become a very important part of it. I typically work with entrepreneurs and small business owners over the age of 50 because they are the ones that have a really hard time with taking pictures of themselves and being on video, even if it's for a moment in time. They don't like it. So there's a lot of mind shifts that need to happen with that as well, as opposed to people that might have grown up with video or, you know, maybe your parents had the, the, the camera in your face all the time, right? And you're like, I love the video. I'm fine with it. Yeah, because your parents were with you all the time videoing you. But then there's other people that didn't have parents like that, right? 
So how will we all come together in this crazy life that we all live in and AI inspired things that are in the news every day that will change our lives and change the way we work? And we still have to prove that we're real people, I think is the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> to add to that point, right? Because I think there's some softwares out there where it's like, you can hire a spokesperson AI, it's not even a real person, and you can write a script and then they'll read it. So do you think some of your older clients will just say, can I just do that so I don't have to be on video? Like, no, have you had to have that come up? No, they would hate it. Okay. No. It would be more of a, you know, like, hey, let's do it this way. You sell a product, okay? You sell roses, you're a florist. Great, okay. So what we're gonna do is, you know, I'm gonna do most of the talking on the camera and I'm gonna bring you on as the owner. And I want you to tell me your story as to why you decided to be a florist, because you have a story. Because remember, that's always how you can get someone to feel comfortable, is have them tell their story. It's not about the roses. It's not about your shop. It's not about this, that, or the other thing. It's what inspired you to open this shop? Why do you sell roses this color? And how do you make them a bit like... Why do you love designing them? These are the things where people are like, oh, wow, I like this guy. Like he makes beautiful arrangements. I need him for my next event, right? So they would rather be guided is how I, I view that. People over 50 typically need a little bit more guidance. They need to be reminded to look at the green dot. They need to be reminded not to have shifty eyes, they need to be reminded, you know, that when we're talking, they're looking at me and we're having a conversation and you're not turning your head all the way away from the camera, right? You're turning it this much. So that way we're looking at each other, but the camera can still see us. So I think there's just a little bit more prepping involved when I can get someone over 50 to even get on camera. <laughs> Let's say you have some clients and they want to do video and they post on social media. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of hate comments, right? Like I get a lot of troll comments too when I was doing a lot of TikTok videos. So like, how do you like calm their nerves say, like, don't worry about these people, just keep doing you, you'll eventually find your audience. Have you experienced that yet with any of your clients? Yes. And I have read a lot of case studies and I listen to a lot of speakers that are influencers that basically say... You just got to let the haters hate. Let them do what they want. You can block anyone you want. You can block them off of there, you know, especially if they're talking real bad. Can you make a funny comment back? Maybe. I've done that before when people have made other comments. I'm like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I forgot my high heels or, you know, I was making fun of something where they were saying, I forget what they were saying to me. I think they said something was weird with my voice or something and I sounded strange and I was like, or I sounded like I was coming from the South. So, you know, I, like I made a joke about it. Obviously that's not a really mean comment, but it, it was unexpected. Like I, I'm sounding like I'm from the South. Huh? Maybe I've been watching too many, like, you know, <laughs> I don't even watch TV. So I'm trying to think of a television show with Southern people in it. <laughs> But, you know, maybe I'm watching too much of the show and people talking Southern that I'm picking up on that voice, you know. But I think 
the main thing is the haters are going to hate. They're going to make the comment. You're going to get alerted that a comment is there. You can either make the comment that I was watching someone today and she said, you know, I have these women in my Facebook group and all they do is lurk. They don't do anything, but I know they're in there. And so it's like, I welcome you into my house and then you walk around and look around, but you don't say anything. So I don't forget that you're there in my house looking around, right? Like I know you're there and I'm trying to figure out what exactly you need or how I can help you, but always remember that they're in your house. So in social media, you know, we've gotten a lot of, I think, you know, different types of tools now where we can keep out those trolls and people that are not able to keep not nice things to themselves. <laughs> so I want to uh, wrap this conversation up in terms of what are your thoughts about video and how essential it is going to be in the next, let's say five, maybe even 10 years in terms of like growing your business. Because like for me, I started building my personal brand through posting content on LinkedIn, just text posts. Then I did audio podcasts. And my friend says, if you really want to take it to the next level, you have to do video. Like there's no like option because people, again, like we already discussed this at the beginning, like it's the fastest way to build credibility is to be on video. It was definitely a hard experience for me because again, I'm very self-conscious and self-critical myself, but eventually like, again, it goes back to what you said, once you start doing it repeatedly and you build that muscle, you get more comfortable looking at yourself on camera. So now I have no like issues like doing a quick video for like a Facebook ad or what have you, or right. even like doing this video podcast right now. So with that being said, do you think that in the future, if you really want to stand out from the competition, you have to do video, like you can't just be on LinkedIn or Twitter or basically avoid, or even like doing like blog posts, like it has to be video or you're going to be left behind. Well, first, let me ask, how old is your friend that said this? Oh, he's, I think like 45, but yeah, he brought up like early four, let's say early forties is when he brought it up. Okay. Okay. So he's not a spring chicken and he's not, you know, in the older ages. So first of all, I think for me, being in the social media field for so long, because I saw the wave of it coming, I had these two disparaging degrees, but for me, that is what actually make, made that happen. Nobody believed in it. Everyone thought it was a fad. And I was like, oh no, this is going to change our entire world. <laughs> and people were like, what? Facebook and my business? Are you crazy? I'm like, I'm not crazy. I was like, you will see how this is going to happen. So I saw it very plainly, but not everyone, you know, there's always early adopters and there are always people that will never adopt, right? And there are the people in the middle that are in all those shades of gray. So in the sense of business and what business is today, right? I'm sure you hear of all these reports that come out every year, especially right around Christmas time, right? And all this, this timing where people are buying gifts for people and how much more is being purchased online. More and more and more and more every year. And not just that, but in Japan, there's this really big fad going on, which is teaching kids or people how to be an online selling host. You've heard of this, yes? No, that's not familiar, but- Oh yeah, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming, well, UK, right. It comes to the US 
and it's going to be here real soon. These types of things will change our world. The people that are not ready for it, it may or may not change their business. You know, if they're in a little podunk town, you know, in South Carolina and, you know, it's a gas station, they might be just fine. They might not need to do anything, right? What are they going to do a video about? Our gas prices lowered a penny today. Come on by. Hey, we've got two rock stars for five bucks. Come on by. I don't know. You know, you have to think about the actual business, what type of business you're doing, and your customers. What do they want to see? You get a lot of walk-ins into gas stations, right? Do they really need to be doing video? I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. It all depends. So that's always my answer is that it depends. Yes, between you and I, Max, I would say you're going to be left behind <laughs> only because if you're not doing it, then someone else is doing it. And with the rise of AI and you're not on camera and someone else is, the trust factor goes way up for that person and the trust factor for you not on camera, hardly any pictures of you. Trust factor way down here. That's how I see it. And I do believe that people, well, remember I told you earlier, I was a public speaking instructor at the college level. And I remember studying a lot about that. And it's one of those things in the world, like it's one of the worst things in the world. People would rather die than have to public speak on stage, right? And so this has become our public speaking stage. This is what we're doing, right? And so the people that feel comfortable will win. And the people that don't feel comfortable and don't do it might lose. The people that don't feel comfortable, but at least they'll give it a try or they'll try to get better where they'll keep doing it to at least show people that they're a real person, they might win, right? So in all aspects of the world and how much it's changing technologically every day, every second of the day, <laughs> I think it just depends on the business and it depends on the business owner and it depends on, you know, who's calling the shots, right? That's my thought. That's my little two cents. <laughs> and we'll wrap up the conversation right there. Again, appreciate the time, Rose. So how can people connect with you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them? Yeah, sure. Well, it's always fun to see my live videos, right? And me talking about all these beautiful things where I live and stuff. So just go to Facebook and then you go to facebook.com forward slash Jackson Hole Rose. It's easy to remember. Or you just go on the web and type in Jackson Hole Rose and you'll find me everywhere. Awesome. Again, appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet, Max. Thanks so much for having me on. And I really appreciated having this conversation. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.